Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. It's mentally yours, from Ellen and Uh, focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's mental health podcast. At the moment, we're doing things a bit differently because of the epidemic. So we're chatting to experts about ways that we can sort of support our mental health and also find out about how things are going. Today, I'm going to be chatting to Dr. Neil Stanley. He's a sleep expert and the author of How to Sleep Well. We're going to be finding out how to get a good night's rest and how to nap like a pro. Okay, I've been involved in sleep research for the last 38 years. Uh, I initially started working at the Institute of Aviation Medicine, working alongside the Royal Air Force, looking at things like aircrew workload, jet lag, shift work, medicines you can take and then safely fly, medicines you can take, get a good night's sleep and safely fly the next day. I was involved in that for 10 years, then I moved to the University of Surrey, where I created and ran the world's largest clinical trials sleep laboratory, so it was a 24-bed unit mainly looking at the effects of medication on sleep uh, after about 13 years there i became freelance so i travel the world now talking to people who listen about sleep so mainly healthcare professionals doctors and nurses uh, but i do talk to the public and for various groups and charities so that's that's my background so i've published 38 scientific publications with psychologists sociologists uh, sleep scientists uh, etc so i've got a very broad uh, knowledge and experience of sleep so i'm talking to you during the coronavirus epidemic i'm sure a lot of people are struggling with their sleep at the moment what kind of troubles do you think people will be having I think the troubles that people are having are, are sort of threefold, really. One is, of course, it's a time of uh, stress, anxiety, worry for people. And the thing about anxiety is some degree of anxiety is good. Uh, it's our body's 
uh, early warning system. It, it keeps us alert to threats so we can stay safe. But of course, once that crosses over uh, to a, a high degree of anxiety or stress, then that's going to keep your body and brain in high alert. And that's going to make getting uh, to sleep uh, vastly more problematical. The second uh, aspect of it is just the lack of rhythm routine in our lives um you know we we don't have to get up to get the train to go to work uh, we don't have to commute home from work and therefore only eat our dinner when we've got at home so that lack of structure and routine our bodies crave routine but that lack may be affecting our sleep and finally uh, just the the factor that we're locked down the fact that we you know can't go out uh, we we may be snacking rather than eating proper meals uh, we're not necessarily getting access to you know a, a sufficient amount of bright light of sunlight to keep us awake and, and you know that the, you know we, we're drifting maybe but we also can see this uh, from another side that actually this time of lockdown is actually maybe a good time to develop healthy habits, to actually go to bed when you're sleepy because you can and wake up after you've had the right amount of sleep for you and wake up naturally without an alarm clock because you don't have that commute into work or into school. And you know, if your home office is just three feet away from your bed, then why not try and develop those healthy habits? And for parents, spend that time with your children, you know, in, in inducing a good, healthy sleep pattern. So it's not all bad, this, uh, this lockdown, or not necessarily. What about people who are finding it difficult just getting getting to sleep at all these days because of the stress of the news or just generally what's going on around them? Well, this is this is the big problem. I mean, essentially, the the absolute prerequisite for getting a good night's sleep or falling asleep is you have to have a quiet mind. Uh, if your mind is worried, racing, stressed, you won't get to sleep. So the biggest cause of sleep problems, even before the pandemic, was uh, was stress, was worry, um, because people have forgotten how to relax, how to wind down of an evening. I mean, most people's bedtime routine is to switch the TV off, have a pee, brush their teeth, and to flop into bed rather expecting sleep to happen, and it just doesn't. So in order to get a good night's sleep, we need to have a quiet mind. Now, how do you quieten your mind? Well, that's individual. There's no one way of doing it. I mean, personally, I read every night before I go to bed, but that might not work for you. So drinking chamomile tea, doing mindfulness, meditation, doing yoga or listening to Pink Floyd really loudly. doesn't matter what you do as long as you enjoy what you do and you're willing to do it each and every night. But you need to avoid watching the late night news, avoid opening the gas bill or the mortgage bill before you go to bed and do something nice and calming and relaxing before we go to bed. And I say now maybe is the opportunity to instill that good habit in yourself. That's really interesting that you say you can make it personal like that. Like, if, like for instance, you said about sort of listening to Pink Floyd, if that makes you happy. Because I think there's definitely a perception that you have to maybe switch off screens three hours beforehand, have a milky drink, have a bath. There's these set things that sort of definitely work. For, you know, there's, there's, there's the famous phrase, one man's relaxation is another man's torture. 
there's no reason to believe that you will enjoy doing something just because somebody else enjoys doing it. And it, it is down to being personal. It's whatever helps you. Um, so, you know, if you've never listened to Pink Floyd before, it's not going to help you fall asleep because you're going to be listening to it and you might not like it. But if Pink Floyd is your favourite band and you've listened to Dark Side of the Moon a thousand times, then that's going to be the ideal thing for you to fall asleep to. If you don't like having a bath, then don't recommend somebody have a bath. I hate the smell of lavender. So anybody saying, oh, the smell of lavender helps you sleep. No, it doesn't. I'd have to find it and burn it before I could get to sleep. So it's, it's, so it's about... I say and saying to somebody you must do this means that they will try to do it rather than enjoy doing it you know this you know this is good for me I must do it I must do it and that is the complete opposite of what you want to do so yes of course if you can have a nice relaxing bath with bubbles and your favorite oils and candles all around the bathtub with your favorite music playing and you can get out and put on a big fluffy toweling robe and then get into a bed that's been freshly made of course that's going to help you get a good night's sleep but that's not for everybody um so it is about finding your own personal way there are no top 10 tips for getting to sleep that's not how it works it's down to you to find what works for you that's really interesting and it's also interesting what you said that sort of at the very start about the idea about um myths around sleep sort of like the idea that you have to have maybe a certain amount of hours or there's sort of set rules around it um is it personal in terms of everybody in terms of how how long they need in terms of sleep absolutely i mean sleep is to a very great degree genetically determined and so there's there's three aspects of that one is how much sleep you need the other is your chronotype whether you're a lark or an owl and the third is really the time that you need to go to sleep so if i'll deal with those in 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 order uh sleep need is like height uh we're all different and as i say it's genetically determined so just as you have short people and tall people you have some people who can get by with four hours sleep and feel perfectly okay on that at the other extreme some people need 11 hours to feel at their best personally I need nine and a half hours a night to feel at my best. Uh, so eight hours is an average. It is not an ideal. So the key thing for you is to find out how much sleep you need. And that's very easily determined. The amount of sleep you need is the amount that allows you to feel awake, alert, and focused during the day. So if you're awake, alert, and focused during the day, you've had enough sleep, don't worry about it. If you feel sleepy during the day, you haven't had enough sleep. And then we come to chronotype. Are you a lark or an owl? Uh, some people, like myself, can wake up easily at five o'clock and are absolutely on top form, uh, full of energy, but past nine o'clock at night, I'm completely useless. Uh, other people, owls, are the opposite. They you know, happily go to bed at one o'clock in the morning and would probably want to get up at 10, 11 o'clock. 
uh, in the morning. Uh, so that again is genetically determined. So if you're a strong night person, you can't train yourself to be a morning person. And from a percentage wise, it's about 25% of people have a strong preference for morning, about 30% have a strong preference for evening, and the rest in the middle don't seem to care much. And then finally, it's about when you want to go to sleep. We all have something called a sleep gate. Um, and essentially, it's about a 10 minute window when if we went to sleep at that point of view, we would get the best possible sleep. Now, it's very difficult to work out when this is because essentially you need to go into a controlled environment for many days to find it out. But usually, it says, say, essentially, it's when you feel sleepy. If you go to bed when you feel sleepy, you will have a good night's sleep. So the time you go to bed and the time you wake up is also to a degree genetically determined. So there's not a lot you can do about it. So you can either live in harmony with your sleep or you can fight your sleep. So if you're a strong evening person, there is no point getting a job as a milkman. Uh, and if you're a strong morning person like me, there's no point becoming a casino croupier. It's not going to work. So you need to work out what you are and when you need your sleep and then to get it uh, each and every night. And as you say, this could be actually quite a positive time for people to find out things like that, as you say, and sort of see what their body wants to naturally do, perhaps. Yeah, absolutely. As I say, most of our most of the things we do uh, during the day and night are determined by societal pressures. As I say, you have to get up to get ready to get the train to go to work. You eat lunch not because you're hungry, but because it's lunchtime. And then you've got the commute home and then you can only eat your dinner when you get home and then you've got emails to do and blah, blah, blah. And so our days are structured by things that are outside our control and probably outside of our chronotype and our sleep needs. And this is especially seen in teenagers, of course, because teenagers find it very difficult to get up in the morning because there's a change in the timing of their sleep and how much sleep they need as teenagers. And so in order to get up and go to, to school or college at the right time, they are depriving themselves of two, two and a half hours sleep a night, which has negative consequences. So now without that societal pressure to conform to these times, they can sleep late and still be as uh, productive during the day, if not more productive during the day. And it's something that certainly on an anecdotal level, I've been told by parents of teenagers that they are actually thriving uh, in terms of sleep under lockdown because they do now have that freedom. Uh, and, and to a degree, as say, parents may be able to experience that as well. What are your thoughts on napping? during the day? I mean, is that something negative that people should avoid or is it sort of perfectly fine or is there a sort of a certain set amount of time people should aim for and then set an alarm? What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, there is an art to napping during the day. Uh, essentially, uh, what you want to do is to have a nap that refreshes you. Now, the power nap, the short nap, is a 20-minute nap. Uh, now, it takes anywhere up to 20 minutes to fall asleep. So to have a power nap, you're looking at a probably a 30 to 40 minute uh, window that you can then have the nap in. The whole point of having a short nap is you don't go into the most deep restorative sleep. 
if you wake up in that restorative deep sleep then that's when you wake up and you feel like you've been run over by a bus and you feel a lot worse because of it than you would have done if you hadn't had that nap so you don't want to wake up in deep sleep so a 20 minute nap is fine you won't go into that deep sleep if you want to have a longer nap then it's two hours because you want to go through that first period of deep sleep and then wake up naturally after that now the problem with the two hour nap is that that's going to use up some of your drive to sleep that you will have in the night so a power nap won't affect your night's sleep a two hour nap probably will make your sleep shorter during the night now that might not be a problem a couple of months ago it might have been a problem because we're in the middle of winter and getting up on a dark cold morning probably wasn't great but if we're going into the summer uh, then you know waking up early if the sun's out and the birds are singing and you've got a dog you can take for a walk then then that's fine uh, but as i say if you are finding your sleep is worse because you're napping then stop napping for two weeks see if your night sleep improves if it does stop napping uh, if it doesn't then go back to napping uh, there's no problem if you've got the time and again this is something that you can do now in lockdown uh, because you know if you work in an open plan office you cannot put your head down on the desk for 20 minutes but if you're at your home office there's no problem with lying on the bed and closing your eyes and that's certainly what I do every once in a while after I've you know written the third article of the day and I need to recharge my brain I will go and lie on my bed whether I nap or not is another thing but I'll certainly take the opportunity of having a break. Um, can we go back a bit um, to talking about sort of stress and sleep and possibly sleep hygiene I mean it seems it's very trendy at the moment or recently to talk about sleep hygiene how can people improve their night's sleep in general? Well I mean sleep hygiene has been around for years it was first developed in the 70s but it, it draws on basically advice that we've been giving people for you know, at least 150 years about how to get a good night's sleep and it's just commonsensical things uh, you know going to bed uh, in a nice comfortable dark cool bedroom uh, and, and things like that. Um, but as I say, essentially, uh, in order to get a good night's sleep, you need three things. One, as we mentioned earlier, is the quiet mind. Another is a relaxed body. And the third thing is a bedroom conducive to sleep. So within those three categories, pretty much every other piece of sleep advice falls under one of those three categories. So in terms of your bedroom, your bedroom needs to be dark, quiet, cool, comfortable. So no heavy curtains, blackout blinds, eye masks, no light in the bedroom and protect the bedroom from light from outside. Um, it needs to be around 16 to 18 degrees in the bedroom because in order to get a good night's sleep, you need to lose one degree of body temperature and you lose that out of your head and face. Uh, so your bedroom needs to be cool, but your bed can be warm, but you heat the bed up anyway just by being in it. It needs to be quiet, uh, around 35 decibels, which is about the noise level of a quiet conversation in a library. Um, now, intermittent peaks of around 45 decibels, which is like a truck going past a, uh, a closed, double glazed window. 
Uh, a snorer um, is around 75 to 95 decibels, so a snorer will definitely affect your sleep. Uh, it needs to be comfortable. Uh, you know, if you've spent more money on your television than you've spent on your bed, then you really shouldn't be expecting a good night's sleep. Uh, so you need to be finding that you've got a comfortable bed. So that's your bedroom. You need to be awake during the day in order to get a good night's sleep. So exercise, sufficient exposure to sunlight, all of these things are important for helping you uh, be awake, therefore allowing you to go to sleep at night. And as I say, then we talked about the quiet mind earlier. Other rules are don't eat too late and don't drink too much. Uh, by eating or drinking alcohol, both of these are highly calorific. In order to process them, you have to burn off the calories. That makes you hot and that will then disturb your sleep and uh, make you more restless during the night. So, so to say, there are, there are many uh, rules about uh, sleep. I mean, people say that you know, caffeine disturbs your sleep. But again, we're all different with our responses to caffeine. So some people will need to give up caffeine at midday in order to get a good night's sleep. Other people can have two double espressos after dinner and still sleep perfectly well. So it's listening to your body and finding out what works for you and what doesn't work for you and then stop it. I mean, you know, I, I, I do lectures and, you know, I ask people how many people have poor sleep and so the hands go up and then you say, well, how many of you know what causes your poor sleep? And most of the hands stay up. Now, if you know what's causing your poor sleep, stop it. It's as simple as that. You know, if you're binge watching Netflix, don't. It, you know, it, it, it's, it's just common sense. But people have been seduced by the 24-hour society and streaming services and mobile phones. In, and, and they filled their days up. So there's no actual time left for sleep. So one of the most important things you can do is to see sleep as important. The minute you see sleep as important, then you'll start doing the things that you need to do in order to get a good night's sleep. You mentioned alcohol in there as well. I think some people maybe sort of use alcohol in the evening as a way to sort of get off the sleep. Um, why is that a problem? Basically, a, a small sherry or a nip of whiskey before bed has never done anybody any harm at all. It's a lovely way to finish the evening. But alcohol has three effects on you that are pertinent to sleep. One is that, of course, if you drink too much, you need to go for a pee and that will wake you up. Uh, the other is that it dehydrates you, which means your brain shrinks, and that's why you have that awful headache. But the third thing, which I mentioned earlier, is that it's highly calorific, and so you are burning off those calories, and that will make your sleep uh, you know, more restless and more disturbed. So there are three things that alcohol does. So I say, a, uh, a small sherry, a nightcap has never done anybody any harm. A couple of glasses of wine at dinner has never done anybody any harm. But if you're drinking half a bottle of Tesco's Value Scotch before bed, then, yeah, of course, you're going to suffer for it. So everything in moderation. But alcohol is a wonderful way of, of relaxing, but again, in moderation. Can we also talk a bit about um, lions? What are your thoughts on lions now? Because as you said, uh, mentioning sort of with teenagers, a lot of them are sort of getting to sleep longer as they might have wanted to. But um, as a sleep expert, 
is it a good idea if you wake up to then go off back to sleep and have a lion? No. Or is it better <laughs> to get up? Or is there no hard and fast rule with that? I, again, uh, the, the thing is, if you wake up naturally, um, that's it. Your body is, should have had sufficient sleep and therefore there is no point in needing more sleep. So certainly do not set your snooze alarm. If you're going to use an alarm to wake up, then set the alarm for the last moment that you need to get up and get up. It's far better for you to have consolidated continuous sleep rather than to have you know five ten minute bouts of sleep um and every time the alarm goes off it scares you uh puts you you know massively spikes adrenaline and cortisol your stress hormones increases your blood pressure sets your heart rate going um but the biggest change that most people could make to their sleep uh is to fix their wake-up time each and every day now it doesn't matter what time you pick, but to stick with it because your body and brain starts waking up 90 minutes before you actually wake up. It's starting to prepare so you can hit the ground running. Now, if you inform your brain and body as to what time that is, then, of course, it knows what to do and what time to do it by. And this, of course, is why you can wake up before your alarm goes off. Um, but if you don't tell your body what's happening, then it hasn't got a clue what is happening. And so you will not be able to hit the ground running when you wake up. So the, as I say, the best thing to do is fix your wake up time seven days a week, 365 days a year. Now, in an ideal world, you'd, of course, fix your bedtime. But the world is not ideal and nighttime is a lot more fun than early mornings. And so it's pointless giving advice that nobody will listen to. But fixing your wake up time is certainly achievable for the vast majority of people. If you've been struggling with any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116123. You can also find them online at samaritans.org. You can find us online. We have a Twitter account, which is at MentallyYRS. And you can also join our lovely Facebook group, which is simply called Mentally Yours. See you next week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.